Who the bloody hell's that? Should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. How are we, Anthony? <laughs> well, I'm I'm all right now. I'm, I'm all right. right now. What happened? <laughs> well, I just. The thought of the phrase slap and tickle is, is, oh, is warming me somewhat oh, this see. morning in a, in a very kind of retro kind of way. <laughs> yes, you don't hear a lot about that these days with the, down you, with the you kids, don't. do you? No, no, it's not a phrase the kids are using. <laughs> I've got, I went all Roger Hargreaves for a minute. <laughs> oh, Mr. Tickle. Mr. With Tickle. The long arms. Yes. Yeah. Yes, Russell Brand's cousin. You can't say that. My cousin, my cousin Tickle. <laughs> oh, you can't say that. No. Oh, dear. I can't. Oh, we're I on can't. thin ice. Nobody's now, listening. We? We're all right. We're all right. Nobody. Oh, no, nobody's it's listening. Just we're me absolutely, and you, we're absolutely fine. We haven't started. Yet. Maybe that bit might go out for the purples only. <laughs> They're very forgiving. Well, let's hope so. Yeah. Well, I did a show last night. You did a show last night. Yeah. Well, should, we, should we talk about that when we've started? Well, yes. Because you've got there's loads to talk about this morning. There probably is, yeah. Yeah. Um, just, so yeah. We, we perhaps ought to get into it, like, properly. Okay, then. Well, you, you, do, is it you what, do the thing. Is it? Uh, 179, isn't it? That's what I've written on my folder, but that's got usually nothing to do with reality. Well, I've written it on my folder as well, so that's a good start. Uh, we might, we might, I might be back in sync because I've had to start yeah. calling all my projects... One seven eight. No, really. <laughs> hashtag four. One seven eight. Hashtag four. Quite possibly one seven nine. <laughs> we ought to. We ought to. Somebody message Orin and ask Orin because he brought some professionalism to this project. Let's let's ask him. He'll know. Yes, he was. Ve- I mean, he was very good. To be really brutally honest, at the end of that podcast, I w- I was just slightly worried it might have come across as a bit flat, and everybody's gone. Done backflips, haven't they? Over oh, it. it wasn't flat at no, all. No, just uh, probably just me worrying and being a bit lovey. Uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't flat in the slightest. And, and the thing is, I knew that because obviously the first person who listened to it as a thing was me. Right. And I found myself very moved by it, and I was in on the original. You were in on the original, yeah, yeah. And I was, and I found myself getting very moved all over again. Ah. Wasn't just me then. It, no, I do. F- no, so that it, that boded well. Yeah, I find it hard to to kind of relive that first meeting with with Oren without getting really, um, you know, without tearing up because it was it, it it was such a, a huge thing. Yeah. Well, don't don't do it again. No, I won't. I won't do anything again ever. Right. Fine. So we're agreed on one seven nine. And if we asked Aaron, he would agree as well. So I think we're all right, aren't we? The only other person I would need to ask is Lucy, but, you know, she's the only other person who would know. Yeah. And why should she so, be bothered getting out of bed to tell you? Well, she, she just would After wouldn't. all we've done to her. 
<laughs> there is a bit of that. Right, you ready then? Yes. Okay. Hello and welcome to chapter 179. Yes, 179 I, I, of the Corona Diaries. I thoroughly concur, Anthony. We're, we're... You approve this message, don't you? My I name's do. Steve Hogarth and I approve this message. My name is Steve Hogarth and just like the duck in the truck, we're back on track. Where on earth did that come from? <laughs> There's a really good book called The Duck in the Truck. Here is a duck coming home in a truck. Here is the track that is taking him back. It's for the kids, you know. Uh, oh, I like the sound of this that. Is the, this is the... Uh, this is the same thing. What is it? This is the, this is the muck where the truck gets stuck. He gets his truck stuck in uh, a load of mud and um, a frog spies from a bush and says, I'll help you give it a push. And, <laughs> and then, then a goat goes by in a boat. Of course it does. <laughs> gets involved. <laughs> I used to know it off by heart. I'm only a whisker away from not being able to recite it now. But anyway, at the end, he's back on the track, unstuck at last. And and so are we. Right. I think, you know, for the next for the next Odds and Croon cast, <laughs> I think instead of doing a croon, you should read that book. I will. It's not very long. It's really good. The hmm. Duck in the Truck. Thoroughly recommended, folks. I think we should do that. I think we should absolutely do that. And when you've done that, just to make my will complete, could you read uh, a Harry McClary from Donaldson's Dairy? Yes, because I don't know that. Is that good? Oh, you'll love Harry McClary. <laughs> what is Harry McClary or who? Harry McClary's a dog. Oh, okay. He's a dog. Good name for a dog, Harry. Yeah. And he's from Donaldson's Dairy. Ah. And he gets into some scrapes. Does he? And some japes. Ah. Scrapes and japes, eh? But he doesn't vape. No. <laughs> Not been embraced by the doggy community no. as yet, vaping. No. And he hasn't got hemorrhoids like a bunch of grapes. No, he's not got hemorrhoids <laughs> like a bunch of grapes. Or a Veruca. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, Lord. Or a Veruca. Oh, the, uh, yes, the, um, uh, <laughs> the, the curse of the communal sportiness. <laughs> Indeed, curse of the communal sporting. <laughs> anyway, nobody knows what we're talking about, so we'll crack on. But for the next Croomcast, and we need to do one because we didn't do a, an oh, Autumn Croom or a Q&A oh, in, in September. It's piling up. So, uh, well, no, but we did put out some video content, didn't we? We, we put out the video 175, which everybody seems to have chuckled at. <laughs> yeah, I'd have dressed up if I'd known. <laughs> I must, oh, I think it works I'm really not, well with, with what with both our retired. I must start making the effort just in case you've decided to download it, upload Sh it, offload it. Share it with the world. <laughs> it's a whim. So anyway, you were saying mm. you've done a show. I have. Don't you know? I've, well, I've done two, actually. I did one at Trading Boundaries down in East Sussex in, in a place called Fletching, which sounds like some sort of perverse homosexual sexual thing, doesn't it? I bet he was caught doing it. Well, it hadn't occurred to me until then, <laughs> but now I can't think of anything else. He was caught else. doing a bit of Fletching in the gents. <laughs> so 
something George Michael used to do, you know, on a, on a quiet moment. Um, oh, Ronnie Barker <laughs> in the toilets in, in, in the prison. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, he had no choice. He had no choice doing uh, a bit of fletching. <laughs> but, uh, yes, in fletching on Sheffield Green, and that was quite funny because quite a few people said, oh, I'm coming to Sheffield, and I had to say, you're going to be a long way from Sussex when you get to Sheffield. Um, yeah. And don't rely on HS2 to bring you back. <laughs> no. Oh, what a shit show that's become. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> Let's go to Manchester and try not to announce that you couldn't get there by train. Yeah. Oh, God, imagine. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing the, actually doing the annual conference in Manchester whilst cancelling their flagship project. I mean, good, yeah, well done on in the PR department, <laughs> Mr Sunak. Holy shit. Talk about shooting yourself in both feet and then in the temple immediately after. Um, but anyway, that's politics. Phew. Um, oh, well, what about Donald Trump being in court? Anyway, let's not get into that either. Um, no. Yes, I went to Trading Boundaries, which is on Sheffield Green, not Sheffield, nowhere near Manchester, etc. And um, it was really good. It was really nice. Lovely people. I mean, you know, I thought, I'm playing a furniture shop. What the fuck? But then when I got there, it's, what's it like? It's like another world. You go in there and there's all this Indian... You know, quite high-end uh, Indian imported furniture, lovely, lovely things, sort of stuff girls love. You know, scented candles and you know bits of tiddly widdly. But quite a lot of stuff boys boys like too. Um, we bought a thing. We bought uh, what a tractor. <laughs> <laughs> A socket set. What, 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 what did you buy? <laughs> Pair of welding gloves. No, <laughs> something to apply grass. <laughs> Duckham's twenty fifty. Um, no, no, no. There was. We bought this thing, and it's uh, well, it's a moonlight, but it's a moon, and it. It hovers above a base magnetically and, and spins Ooh. generally. Ooh, so it doesn't like touch doesn't touch nothing. And like you know, and it's light, and it and it lights and it just gently rotates whilst hovering. And uh, Bob's going, Oh, look at that, Dad. Look at that. We should get that. We should get that. So I checked with Lynetta that she hadn't ordered Pickford's, you know, uh, to take take any large items of furniture back. Because I was hoping to actually make a few quid out of the gig, and um, she hadn't. Um, she'd controlled herself, <laughs> and and so I didn't control myself and bought the hovering moon. So now uh, we've got the whole of the moon in the uh, in the front room, oh. uh, hovering gracefully, round and round and round. And it never stops. And even when you switch it off, the light goes off, but it just carries on hovering. It's groovy. Um, Is that just down to the magnetic force then? How's mm, it? It's got a load of magnets in the base, 
and they all sort of off you know they balance they balance the thing out and it just hovers about i don't know about a half an inch above the base so very cool oh, very cool so we bought that but apart from the material shit um the the vibe of the place is just lovely all the people who work there are really really nice the management are lovely um they couldn't do enough for me i mean i know i was this kind of singer rocking up to do a show and therefore probably get slightly preferential treatment but i checked with lynetta and she said they'd not she said you know they'd certainly initially no idea who she was and they, and they were so nice to her um so really really nice people and they've got rooms so you can stay over um they've got a really nice restaurant they've got a bar a little gig in a little stage um and then upstairs they've got a an art gallery chock full of uh, roger dean all roger dean's um lithographs and a couple of bits of original stuff that's like 50 grand um didn't buy any of that, you know, so no. I thought, you know, <laughs> I, I could always sign something to say that I'd do a six-month residency in return for a piece of art. But um, Your Vegas. This could be your Vegas, couldn't it? Vegas. There'd be worse places to get stuck. I had a really good time, and uh, there's lots of interesting people playing there. I think um, Focus are coming there quite soon. Well, Charles right. Van Leer and Chums. So I said to give him my regards. And, and up in the dressing room, Clem Burke had signed the wall. And the boys from uh, Hue and Cry and Gary Newman. Right. I did a bit of a Gary Newman. Im- his, his would have been fairly low down, I imagine. <laughs> well, they could have given him a chair. <laughs> Is he small? Yeah, he's not very tall at all. Well, I've, I'm in a glass house and I'm not going to throw any stones on that front. <laughs> I'd take the piss out of him. Um, although I well, not somebody who's notoriously as balanced as Gary is. <laughs> although I did do, a, I did a bit of Gary Newman impression. On <laughs> I did a bit of our friend's electric. Uh, he always sounded like a singing cat, didn't he? Um, <laughs> he did have a bit, a bit of a word of wail about him. Um, but I went to see Gary Newman at, uh, that sounded a bit disrespectful didn't it but I went to see Gary at uh, Hammersmith Odeon years and years back and he was bloody brilliant he puts on a great mm. show so uh, let's not take the piss out of Gary because he sounds like a singing cat I'm sure he speaks highly of me Um don't know what he thinks. Either. We're about to find out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll have to listen to his podcast, won't I, to find out. And I'm, it, it, there's about as much chance of that as him listening to mine. So we'll, we'll be all right. Oh, I hope I hope it's called Our Friends Eclectic. Oh. That would be good, wouldn't oh. it? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so, so a great gig... Great. I'm, I'm still struggling with the concept of you go to buy some furniture and it's so tiring that you have to stay over. But I like the idea that you can stay. Yeah. Over. No, it's it's like another world. And and there's a, you know, there are really nice gardens out the back and a terrace and a fountain playing and little arches covered in 
in shrubbery and um, a little courtyard. It reminded me a little bit of Rockfield Studios in out in uh, out in uh, Monmouth, out in Wales. Monmouth, yeah. Wales. Um, it did a bit out in the courtyard there. Um, anyway, it was really nice. It's just I had a really good little show. There was a lot of love in the room, and the whole thing was lovely. Um, so that was nice. And then I came home and... Before we finish on that, you were flying solo, weren't you? What? You mean me flies were undone? No, I mean there was no... that Your, your other half... Oh, uh, I see what you mean. Himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to. I went and did it without Phil Brown. It's the only time I've ever done a solo show without him. I think since the year docked. Uh, but he'd he'd eloped with Rothers to Poland or somewhere. Um, the fool. And um, <laughs> so so I didn't. So, but but Rothers had asked first. To be fair, so. Phil, being a man of honour, and or, or you know, said said oh, I've told Rothers, sure. Um, so I used the in-house sound chap, who was called Roy, and he was great. And uh, you know, it was a very pleasant experience. He knew what he was doing. There was no dramas. There was no cursing. And oh my God, why doesn't that work? There was none of that. Uh, it all worked, and. Uh, it all went well. Good. Good. Big up for Roy. Big up for Roy. So poor old Phil was in Poland with uh, Steve Rothery band and um, he got delayed on the way back. He was supposed to fly back, I don't know, around tea time on um, on Sunday night and they got delayed three hours and I, I think he fell through the door pushing midnight at home and had to get up and drive to Henley-on-Thames uh, to Stoke Row to uh, to do me. and uh, do you at the billet. So he was a little bit bleary-eyed and the body language was a little bit uh, boneless, I think, shall we say. Because <laughs> <laughs> whenever, whenever I've done something like that, I just feel like all my bones have gone to the bottom. You know, like they're all... At the, 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 they're in a bag, right? You're exactly. Yeah. <laughs> They're in a bag around my ankles. <laughs> you sort of drag them around, don't you? <laughs> Where's your elbow? <laughs> Just above my <me> ankle. <laughs> Resting on my kneecaps. Um, so, yeah, he, he was a bit boneless when when, it, when he got there, bless him. And, uh, and that was a really curious little show. It's in a, it's in a sort of tent. I mean, it's beautifully done out. And the people, again, were lovely. Uh, um, couldn't have been nicer to me. They would have carried me around on a cushion if I, if I hadn't stopped them. Um, and um, it, it, was lo- it was lovely. And, but it was a bit odd because it, um, it was so small. It was only 70 people. Mm. And v- acoustically very dead, which is kind of good because you get a lot of control but can be a little bit shocking if you're not ready for it. Um, and so when people applauded in between songs, it, I did feel like I'd just hit a boundary for Northamptonshire. You know, there was just a bit of a... 
Um, what a great phrase. I felt like it hit a boundary for Northamptonshire. <laughs> I didn't feel like I'd scored a hat-trick at Old Trafford, put it that way. I felt like I'd, uh, I, you know... I, I, like a polite ripple. Yeah, like I'd just knocked one past the, the wicket-keeper for a two. Um, mm. Each time. Which, by the way, doesn't happen to you when you play cricket. Not at all, no. <laughs> I'd take the boundary analogy. You're never going to hear that in the middle of the green, are you? All the clapping's ironic when I play cricket. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but that was a bit, you know, not very rock and roll. It was a bit like playing at a wedding. Um, but everybody was listening. I mean, nobody was talking. Well, they wouldn't dare because they got up and done them. But nobody was talking. Um, and... Uh, I mean, I'm going back to play night two tonight. And I think night two, at least it'll be a bit, it'll be a bit better for me because I'll walk in there knowing what's about to happen. Yeah. But night one was a little bit, whoa. Um, so I just had to tweak the old, what's that little thing that you do with a screwdriver on a VU meter? <laughs> just had to. Ah. Yes, I had to yes. calibrate my expectation meter, and I've, I've, not, I've, I've, uh, I've got it back. Um, you know, the green, the green bits are in the green, and the red, the red. You know, when it's all the way over, it's not just halfway over like it was last night. Right, <laughs> I've had to turn it up so that halfway over is all the way over. If you know what I mean. Because the way you described that first night, like. You know, nobody would say anything because they get up and do them, That's and true. they all listen politely. And those, it sounds like you were playing to a school assembly. Uh, well, it you were the head. Well, they're all you're tinkering away. They're all sitting along tables, and they've just eaten, right. which again doesn't tend to put you in the most energetic frame of mind, does it? When you're just no. you know contemplating, you're it. for one of those high tempo hate shows. <laughs> So they're all sort of long tables, um, and it's sort of quite dark and a bit candlelit, which is kind of quite nice. But it is a bit like playing a wedding. Um, right. But I'm there because of the history and and you know the fact that it was my first ever gig with the band. But I did get it into my head last night. I said to Phil before I went on. Now shall I start with one I know? And he went, yes, of course, because um, I'd made... He's always fairly solid on that bit of advice because you ask that question quite a lot, don't <laughs> yes. you? I made that mistake in Warsaw once and never recovered. I did a Rufus Wainwright song. I did going to a town and I'd never done it and I, could, I made such a mess of it that at no point in the show did I recover. Um, that must have been some VU calibration uh, that yeah, night. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I had to reach for my uh, jeweler's screwdriver big time. Um, and um, so last night, I, th- you know, having said, yes, I'll start with one I know, I got up there and as I sat down, I thought, do you know what? It'd be kind of nice to start with season's end, uh, you know. Yes. And then I thought, oh, I haven't rehearsed that. <laughs> oh, it'll be all right. And uh, <laughs> it wasn't. So it kept going completely pear-shaped. Uh, I mean, it was way beyond Les Dawson. It was like Les Dawson 
wearing mittens just after a stroke. Um, really. And um, so I had to keep stop. So I had to keep stopping and explaining why it was so awful, but why I was doing it nonetheless. So I did explain that. So I got right. the show off to quite a ramshackle start. And then I sort of got myself together a bit more later. But I think anyone who'd never seen me before was probably sitting there thinking, bloody hell. <laughs> I think you were in a safe space last night. <laughs> well, this is it. Uh, um, maybe I'm starting to take advantage of the fact that I can get away with murder. As mm. long as nobody notices that I'm taking advantage of that fact, um, I'm all right. But I think the more I do it, the, 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 the more likely people are to notice <laughs> So I won't. Well, the fact you've mentioned it out loud is not going to help. Well, you know, I'm being a little bit harsh on my... I mean, it's not so much taking advantage. It's like saying, this is all really real and it's happening mm. now and it's not been polished and, you know, rehearsed to death and I'm not going through the motions. I'm I'm digging in, you know, and I'm trying to find you something that I haven't even got myself yet. And I hope mm. people understand that that's what's going on. Um, well, I'm sure by the time they got to the end of season's end, they will have understood <laughs> that's exactly what was going on. I think I've got the last few notes right. Oh, excellent. Just a small point, because I get why you chose season's end. I absolutely get it. But bearing in mind, you could have picked anything from that album. And just on a muscle memory thing, would Easter not have been an easier... Do you know? An easier run Do you know I never played Easter at all all night? <laughs> <laughs> and I can play that in my sleep. Well, just just as a kind of a, yeah. you know... No, I know. I know. But I just thought, oh, season is the name of the album. All of that. It would represent... When I think of your first... When I think of your start in the band, Easter's the song I go to because, and I know theoretically the you would go to Hooks in You, wouldn't you? Because it was the first single off the album, yada yada. But you're not going to play Hooks in You at a, a, a natural show, are you? Mm, but tricky. for me, if I now go back, if I think of Seasons End, the standout memory thing for me is Easter. That's the standout thing. It's not. It's not that I'd prefer it over other tracks. That's just the first thing I think about. Maybe I'll do that tonight. Maybe I'll start with not only one I know, but but, but one you know really one well that is relevant to that album as well, thereby. And that you wrote in its, in its entirety. Well, yeah, thereby killing several birds with one stone or several flies with one smack, as the Danes say. Yeah, and, and just chucking incompetence just for a giggle. What, you mean make a deliberate mistake? No, no, you're chucking incompetence for a giggle. Just, you know, I'm oh. going to start with... Yes, competence. I'm going to start with competence. We're going to drift, but I'm going to start there. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. We're not at home to Mr. Cockup. That'll be my intro tonight. <laughs> that wonderful line in, um, in, in, is it Thin Blue Line, where he says, he's talking about cockups, and he said, he said, don't get this wrong, because if you cock this up, I'm in trouble. Your cock up, my arse, <laughs> is the line, which I just think is great. <laughs> You've not watched the Thin Blue Line. Go and watch the Thin Blue no, Line. It's hilarious. I have seen the Thin Blue Line. It's funny. Yeah, 
Who wrote that? Was that Ben Elton again? That was Ben Elton. Um, what, and Richard, yeah. what's his face? Uh, no, it was it's just, just Ben, ben on his own. Right. Ben on his own, I think, yeah. Richard Curtis in the jumper. Yeah. I always think of Richard in Curtis the... in a jumper. Oh, he's always got a jumper on, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Mm. Yes, he's like Giles Brandreth. He kind of is in a funny way. Uh, yeah, he's but he's not got the same smart Alec kind of thing that Giles Brandreth. It's just a... you don't want to slap Richard Curtis in some quite the same way you want to slap no, Giles. No, do you? you wouldn't want to slap Richard Curtis at all. He's he's lovely. I, I have met Richard Curtis and he was very nice to me. Uh, and he's married to Emma Freud. Emma Freud, and uh, she's lovely as well. She's particularly yeah. lovely, you know, as a person. And I don't mean that. W I added that as though she wasn't attractive, didn't I? And she's probably attractive as well. But when I say she's really lovely as a person, I didn't mean she's a bit plain, you know, but she's very nice. I didn't mean that. She's really lovely, period. But when I say she's really lovely, I don't mean, you know, in a kind of... Anyway... It's tricky in a modern world now. You're not, yes. you're not allowed to say women are attractive without being accused of being some kind of molesting predator nut job, and you're not allowed to say they're not attractive uh, without being accused of being an horrible misogynist. Um, and if you say they're very nice, I don't know what that means. That's probably even worse. It's become a little bit oppressive now. I don't know. I mean, maybe rightly so. I mean... Rightly so. Maybe this is just what we what we've got to put up with for for what we've put women through over the millennia. It's not just recent, is it? I read uh, an interview with Christopher Eccleston over the weekend in the Times, and one thing he was saying was that um, it's quite difficult as a white middle aged actor now because um, the roles aren't necessarily there in the way that they were in the past. Actually, you're further down the pecking order at the moment than you used to be, so it's quite tough. But then he, then he caveated it, or it was, probably wasn't even a caveat, but then he said, but do you know what? I had it so good for so long, so it's exactly right the way it is now. Mm. And I thought that was a really, really kind of healthy approach to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, good lad. So there we have it, Chris Ray. What, what, a, what a man. Right, before we go to a bit of diary, though, one quick question, mm. though. Um, how much do you remember about Stoke Row from back then? How much do you remember about the crooked billet from back then? I, may, I don't mean generally. I mean that night. Oh, the night itself. Um, well, it was just terrifying. Um, I was nervous at the prospect of doing my first show with the band. Naively, um, I kind of joined this band and wrote Season's End and went off to Hook End to record it, turned into Lord Byron, flounced around a big shirt, drank a lot of pims, listened to Slave to the Rhythm a lot by the swimming pool whilst uh, young ladies brought me club sandwiches and whatnot periodically um and i just thought i'd died and gone to heaven and become a rock star and and then and then mark suddenly announced he'd agreed to do this gig in a pub down the road and the full horror of of what i'd got myself into suddenly landed 
like you know like that grand piano in that madness video um and i thought shit you know i'm this new singer i'm following this uh this what would you what would you call fish but i mean he was kind of iconic as far as the fans were concerned he was he was you know the be all and end all and anyone who was a fan of Marillion were probably you know could 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 quite justifiably have, have thought it was over when he he walked and yet i was conscious that there still was a hardcore fan following and the prospect of being in front of those people for the first time, um, you know, with all of that, that 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 passion for the guy that I was replacing, all all, all in, inside them, um, was suddenly extremely daunting. And I, I mean, stupidly, it hadn't crossed my mind at all when I joined the band. But as soon as I was contemplating getting out of the the womb that i was in because the the band were always really you know if i alluded to being the new singer and what that was going to do and be their attitude was always oh don't worry about that it'll be fine so that's easier said than done and so the as we got into this little van i think we were in the red van we were usually in the red van uh we all climbed bundled into this red van at, the, at hook end manor and drove up the road the, sh- the short distance i think it's about four or five miles to stoke row um i i was well nervous i was i i, I was uh i was probably scared shitless um and when we arrived in the road that the pub was in, because it's down a it's down a little lane, it's in the middle of nowhere. You go down this lane as though you're going into a wood, and there's really not much there at all. And you think, where on earth are we going? And then this little old pub suddenly veers into view. But as we turned into the lane, it was full of people, and we couldn't get down the lane for people. There were hundreds of people, and it only holds. I mean, that room we played in is not where I'm playing tonight. That's a, a marquee that's been erected at the back of the pub. But the room we actually played in would be rammed with 50 people in it. It would be rammed. Mm. Um, and there were, and it was. Uh, and people were on the floor and they were stood on tables at the back so they could see over the heads of the other people. There was no stage there was no way of getting into the building because there were so many people were standing six or seven deep all the way around the perimeter of the building and down the lane. So spell I kind of see <laughs> see a Premiership football team playing in a gents' toilet. To be honest, it was like that, and we we managed to negotiate our way through all the people in the van till we got to the pub. And then we all stood about, sort of, we, we, we whipped round the back back of the pub and stood there thinking, well, how are we going to get in? Um, and the only way in, in the end, was through one of the windows. And we climbed through the window um, into this 
into where we decided a thing called the stage would be, which was just the floor at one end of the, the room, I was standing nose to nose with the front row. And when I say nose to nose, I don't mean nose to nose because they were all taller than me. So I was kind of standing nose to Adam's apple with the front row. Uh, any of whom could have reached out and strangled me or stabbed me, were they so inclined, um, thinking, how on earth have I got myself into this? Um, we'd never rehearsed together before, so we had to we had to rehearse in the control room of the recording studio two or three nights before the show um, to try and get some material together. We knew how to play the, the album we were recording, even though it wasn't quite finished. Um, and we rehearsed up, I don't know what else we rehearsed. To be honest, I can't remember what we played. I assume we would have played Kaylee and Lavender and mm. Sugar Mice. And I, but I really can't remember. But I do remember, I think we started with The King of Sunset Town. That's the way I remember it. That might not be true either. Um and I remember seeing certain certain wives of certain band members who are probably no longer the wives of the, the band members these days, but back in the day, um, standing on the tables at the back, you know, um, cheering us on, which was nice. Um, and the show kind of just went by in a blur. I remember our uh, old production manager, uh, Smick Hardgrave, um, kind of being on hand. I said, keep an eye on me, Smick. If anybody, if anybody tries to kill me, you will get in there, won't you? Um, so he he was standing on the side, you know, <laughs> keeping an eye on everybody <laughs> in case it got ugly. Because <laughs> we really didn't know what would happen. Um and anyway, it went, it went really well and uh, I, I kind of, we all climbed out the window again um, because that was the only way out of the building. You couldn't get through the people, there was too many. Um, and I can't remember what happened after that. I don't think we hung around long. We got back in the van and went back to the studio and had a couple of drinks back in the house at Hook End. Um do you want to know what you played? Well, go on then. I found a set list, and you can. You, it might all come flooding back. But according to the set list, I found mm -hmm. uh, you started with Slange. Oh fuck! Uh, See, I don't even remember Sunset that. Town. Right? Then we played Sunset Town, did we? Okay. Yep. Then you played Warm Wet Circles, and that time of the night. Okay. Then you played the Uninvited Guest Easter. You played Kaylee. You played Lavender. You played Hooks in You, and then you finished with After Me. Wow. Well, what a shame we don't do sets that short now. Uh, that's all I can say. Um, yeah, well, there it was. Which actually seems like a sensible set list, to be fair. It seems like the right mix of new and old. Yeah, well, we're a sensible bunch of people. Well, well that's, and, 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 it's, and it's been said in many quarters. <laughs> Ken Bruce is always saying it. That new lad at Marillion, he's ever so sensible. Sensible, that's the word for him. Um, so I remember that. You know, in, that, in general terms, I remember the weather always being lovely. Um, in my mind, it didn't. There wasn't one drop of rain uh, the whole time we were we were at Hook End. 
uh, and barely, barely a cloud in the sky at any point. Whether that's true, I don't know. That's the way I remember it. Um, and that's about it. The, the room we played in um, is much nicer now than it was then. They've, they've sort of refurbed it. They've kept it completely in the style and the spirit that it was always in. It feels like a really old room, which it is, mm. in an in Elizabethan pub. Um, but they've made it really nice. It's, it's really well, well decorated and preserved and covered in uh, old um, sort of daguerreotype you know the sort of those really old photographs from from just after they emerged in photography of Victorian people looking very stern because they were told they were told to stand still weren't they they had to stand still for like 20 seconds just to get the image so everybody's always looking very serious nobody you, you weren't allowed to smile back then um and there's lots of great photographs on the walls and it's beautiful in there um but I remember it being a bit shabbier than that when, when we did it. Certainly shabby by the time we'd finished. <laughs> Please tell me there was a little board with scampy fries on the wall behind the bar. I can't remember. I really can't remember. I, d I couldn't get... There isn't a bar. I don't think there was a bar in there. It's that kind of pub where there isn't a bar. You just order and a man... Well, like a little hatch. A man goes through a door, disappears and comes back with a pint in his oh, hand you... and gives it to you. It's a bit like that. Oh, I love that. Um, so it is a very old, traditional sort of pub. Um, and I think the management has changed. I know there was a... Other, I know there was a girl working in there who was Australian. It was, it was an ex-fashion model that one of our crew took a shine to. I've told you this story. Haven't I? And he, he, um, he'd obviously chatted her up a bit and invited her back to Hook End Manor uh, to, meet the, to meet the band, man, you know. But, uh, so he'd hauled her back to the... To, uh, to hook end and the, he came in through the, the the back door into the kitchen with her and he's introducing us to us all and we, none of us looked up because we were all so busy with our balsa wood and uh, we were making hot air balloons and we'd all got balsa wood and uh, <laughs> glue and birthday cake candles <laughs> and sketchily dry cleaning bags all over the bloody kitchen table and it was a hive of activity like uh, like one of those occupational therapy classes. <laughs> and he was going, oh, this is so-and-so. Uh, this is the band. We were all going, oh, all right, how are you doing? Yeah, all right. How are you doing? Yeah, excuse me. I'm a bit busy at the moment. You know, my, my glue's drying. I'm trying, to glue, I'm trying to get this candle to stay on this bit of balsa wood. <laughs> anyway, lovely to meet you. Uh, it was a bit like that. I think she thought we'd all be lazing around in a slightly opiated rock star state but we, we were in fact in the middle of occupational therapy when she got it. I like that should we go for a bit of diary <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's uh, I think I where am I now I'm in, am I back in Mexico I think you must still be in Mexico surely yeah I'm in um, I'm in Mexico City grooving about 
Um, so, it's a great city. Go to Mexico City. If you've never been, go, because it's fabulous. Uh, thoroughly recommend it. And I, I look forward very much to returning there. Here it comes. Friday, 2nd of May, Mexico City. Up at six, blearily FaceTimed home and said hi to Elle, who seems okay. Went to Starbucks and returned with cappuccino, chai and a croissant. Arranged a hairdresser for later in the day and then came down to the poolside to write this diary and continue proofreading volume one. It really is glorious here today. There was a note under my door this morning informing me that the mains power will be off, quote, for annual maintenance, unquote, from 7.30 until 11.30. So I can only work until the laptop battery craps out, which is any second now. Returned to the room to discover still no power. This was evident when I climbed into the lift. The lifts were still working, but the lights in them weren't. So as the doors slid shut, I was plunged into pitch darkness, fingers crossed, until I arrived at the fourth floor and they opened again to let in the daylight. With a flat laptop and no means of charging it, I figured I'd go downstairs and wait for the departure to lunch. JC, our chum and ex-Rolling Stone journalist, had invited us out to lunch and had sent a chap to pick us up. I joined Ian, Frenchie and Mark, who wasn't coming but then changed his mind, in reception and we set off for the restaurant in Lewis's car. After half an hour in thick traffic, I was regretting going out. A further 15 minutes saw us arrive at the restaurant, which turned out to be the venue where Rothers and Pete were giving their masterclass. This was a gig which Rothers had managed to crowbar into the schedule. I had hoped to avoid it, not because I wasn't interested, just because I want to rest and start this gruelling Latin American tour in good shape. I probably came across as Mr Big Time Misery Guts, but I didn't want thrusting into a fan-feeding frenzy today, and after all, I thought we were nipping out for a quiet lunch, not a 45-minute drive to a gig. Managed to hide in a spare room until the fans had left and then we were taken outside onto the street where a table was set for about 20 people. Lunch was very nice but I bailed out after an hour to return to the hotel for my appointment with the hair painters. Got back 10 minutes late and was dropped off at the salon where I was to spend two hours undergoing the paintress. The salon windows were wide open onto the sunny street. The faces of people in Mexico are so utterly Mexican. As I said before, everything and everyone looks to my English eye like part of a movie. Made my way back to the hotel, conscious of the laptop under my arm and the warnings that MC isn't as safe as it used to be. I bumped into Paolo, our South American promoter, and arranged to have a drink with him in the bar at 6.30. Somehow I got it into my head that it was 7.30 and arrived an hour late. Sorry, Paolo. Sat alone in the bar over a mojito for a while and then heard a voice shout, H! It was Dee McLaughlin, 
one of our past tour managers. Dee's a prince, and I haven't seen him in a few years. Last time he slid Lynetta and I into the McCartney and Crowded House gig in Hyde Park. Turns out he's staying in our hotel too, tour managing Franz Ferdinand. Went over and joined him and Franz Ferdinand's manager, Cern Canning. They were on their way out to dinner, so we only talked for 15 minutes or so. Dee offered me a drink, so I ordered another mojito, and Cern paid for everything. Arranged to meet Dee tomorrow, and they went off to dinner. After they'd gone, I asked for my tab to discover Cern had paid for my earlier mojito too. Cheers, Cern. Intentionally or unintentionally, very generous of you. Went back to my room, crashing once again, and was in bed by nine. Saturday, 3rd of May. Mexico City, Pepsi Centre. Woke at five... Worked steadily at a lion until eight before getting up and out to walk the two blocks to Starbucks. When I got there, they didn't take US dollars and I'd forgotten the credit cards. Came back and tried again, returning with cappuccino. Spent the morning by the pool reading, correcting volume one of The Invisible Diary and writing this one. Decided to have a proper lunch as it's a gig day so went to the cafe and had hamburger and fries. Burger, undercooked and greasy. Fries really nice. After lunch, I went and found Dee in reception, and we spent a pleasant hour chatting about his work with Crowded House, who he tour-managed for many years. Fascinating stuff. Returned to my room and got my stage clothes together for the show. We left at three and were bussed to the venue, the Pepsi Centre, about 3,500 capacity. Looked good. There was an escalator backstage. You don't often get an escalator. Sound check was protracted. Rothers pointed out that the mains into his rig was metering at 200 volts and time ticked by while it was sorted out. I'm running my sounds from a laptop and working with a new tech, Tom Lee, but all was well. Mark K was wrestling with hired keyboards, quote, not what I ordered, unquote, and trying to get them to talk to his main computer. Hmm. Pete and Ian seemed to be relatively happy. It's always tricky with hired gear. I spent an hour working out what to wear. I'm a singer. Mind you, we're not all divas. Joe Cocker wanders on wearing whatever he put on when he got out of bed. By showtime. The gig was just 300 short of the 3,500 capacity and looked busy. I knew they'd be a great crowd, and they were. Mexico's always a vibe. Most of the show was terrific from our point of view. The keyboards crapped out, as is their tendency, during the last song, Neverland, which was a shame. But all in all, it was a very good night. Surprised myself by getting through it without fainting. MC's famously high altitude makes physical exertion somewhat harder, and I'm not someone who's constantly in and out of the gym. Nonetheless, I seem to remain naturally fitter than I ever imagine I am. Just as well. Saw promoter Paolo afterwards, who said, That was a great show, man. Happy days. Did a quick meet and greet after the show with after-show guests. A lot of pretty women, Lord knows who invites them, Maybe Paolo's put him on the rider. And then into the bus and back to my room for a much-needed shower. 
No bath, sadly. I could have done with one. Fell into bed around midnight, not bad, and woke at four. Bugger. Slept fitfully, wondering how I could have lost my electric shaver. It had vanished yesterday, and I had to go on stage last night looking like a dosser. Got up in the middle of the night and staggered around, still trying to locate my missing shaver. Just about took the room apart before I finally discovered it under the fitted bathroom sink. How on earth I had managed to drop it on the floor and then kick it under the sink unit without noticing, I'll never know. And we're back. <laughs> and we've just had another little exchange. It was very funny that we possibly can't use, but that's fine. That's fine. Just another one. Yeah. Oh. Um, we're going to finish very, very quickly. A uh, quick, quick wrap up um, mm. about all to do with blue ticks. Ticks, not tits. Blue ticks. Ah, blue ticks. Ticks. Blue ticks. Ticks. Blue ticks. Because there are, there seem to be a, a, an upsurge in doppelgangers trying to impersonate you on facebook yes lucy's been um been on the phone about that there's all sorts of people pretending to be me um and although i mean why would you but but one reason why you would is um is is to con con well-meaning folk out of money um, so if if you do end up being anywhere on social media under the impression that you're either communicating with me or talking to me, then do know that there's there's no universe where I would ask you for a, for any of your money. So if I do, it's not me. It's somebody uh, scamming. Be be careful and don't don't accept any sob stories from that Steve Hogarth because he's dodgy. Uh, this one, on the other hand, is 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 the other one <laughs> that isn't dodgy. <laughs> I, I couldn't, in all conscience, say that as a statement. But no, I wouldn't. I would never rip anyone off. Um, certainly not you lot, because I love show. One thing I would say is, you often write the Facebook content, don't you? But you don't post it. So therefore, you're also, you would never respond to it anyway. So if somebody's responding as you, the chances are it isn't you because yes, you write what goes on there, but you're not necessarily typing it in, are you? In, no, in not respect. at all. The, the, only, the only conversation that I ever get into online, um, you know, apart from business stuff and and with with the band and whatnot, but but with the outside world, the only conversations I ever get involved in are um, on the on the Patreon messages, and I do read all of those, and I do occasion and the comments, and I do occasionally um, respond to those if I feel um, it would help for me to say something. So on the um, the Patreon messages, that's me, um, but it's not really me anywhere else. I do yeah. I do post on Insta, but I don't say much on Insta. Um, I, I, in fact, I don't even post much, to be honest, because I'm shit at it. Uh, and I'm not shit because I don't know how to do it. I'm shit because I just don't get round to it. Um, but, um, yeah, 
there is there is only one me and this is it right now and um don't let don't let anyone convince you they're me and ask you for anything because then it won't be me no and just to confirm the patreon group the purple group is a closed group so you couldn't you couldn't go in there and pretend to be you anyway because it's a closed it's a closed group of people so if 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 H responds or if I respond, it's definitely us. Um, you know, I'm normally responding to say why something's not where it should be or why it's late. Yeah, and I'm normally just apologising, <laughs> <laughs> which is what we do. We turn the we turn the mics on, we say stuff, and then we spend a lot of time apologising for it. <laughs> but one thing that is correct on mm. your Facebook feed, and I saw this, mm. um, you're you you're doing it. Another, you've added a Christmas show, haven't you? You've added one in. What, trading Boundaries? Hmm. Yes, I have, because I had such a good time there on Saturday. I invited myself back, and uh, they were gracious enough to agree. Um, and it'll be great to come back and do a Christmas show there. So I've managed to crowbar that in, in between Łódź in Poland on the... we get this right? On the 7th. Is that right? No, 6th, I think I'm in Łódź. And then uh, on the, is it the 8th? I think it's the 8th. I'm now in Trading Brown. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, it's rubbish. I wanted no, to say 13th. It's, it's the 7th I'm in Woods. Then I'm playing, uh, I'm returning to the Metropolitan Cathedral in Liverpool on the 9th. And then I'm dashing down to Sussex, that's right, on the 13th, which I think is the Tuesday. No, the Wednesday. Wednesday. It- it's the Wednesday. Yeah. And then I'm and then I'm playing Oxford St John's on uh Friday and Saturday. That's right. Um, that's right. That's that's what I'm doing. So it's going to be quite a um a hectic a hectic time. Trevor Horn rang me up and offered me a he said, "Well, I, w- would I come and do a TV show with him in Spain on the um Eighth, which is you know the day after Poland, the day before Liverpool, uh, and I would so have loved to have done that with Trevor, but I just think I'd, it's you can agree to these things, but the reality of doing them, um, it's a sort of a two-hour drive from Woj to Warsaw Airport for a kickoff, and then to try and fly to Madrid and be there in time. I mean, it might not even have been possible, even if I, even if I'd committed to it, you know, with the flights, and then to fly from Madrid the next day and get to Liverpool uh, in time for soundcheck would have been a bit of a stretch, and I would have just been utterly exhausted, I think. So I reluctantly um, said, you know, as much as I'd love to, I don't think that's that's an option. So, well. Never thought I'd see the day when I'd be turning Trevor Horn down anything, but I had to. What a shame, but for all the right reasons. For all the right reasons. Yeah, any other day I would have been there. Right, so that's everything sorted. Uh, Look out for the blue tick. You're not going to ask people for money apart from when you ask people for money. (laughs) So every time you say, do you want to come to a show, that's fine. What you're not going to ask for is a contribution towards, you know, retiling your roof. No, 
no, I, I'm never going to ask anyone to send me, a, you know, any any money for anything beyond the uh, the subscriptions and and the ticket sales. Cool. Look out for the blue tick. Um, look out for uh, the Trading Boundary Show. Look out for all the Christmas shows. I don't know if the t- are there tickets left for any of them. Are they all sold out? Are they are there some available? Uh, if you're quick, I think um, Trading Boundaries was literally announced yesterday. So if you get onto that, and I would recommend going because it's in a beautiful part of England and everything about the place is groovy. Um, so you'll be glad you did. You know, it might be a bit of a bore like to get to for a lot of people, but it's worth, worth. I mean, I'm sure you've you've put yourself through worse for us anyway in the past. God bless you. Um, but that's worth a go. And I think if you're quick, you'll get a ticket. I think there's tickets left for Liverpool. I don't know. I haven't asked anyone. Um, so check check out wh- whether or not. I think that's probably be that'll be, be at We Got Tickets. I think. Um, so check We Got Tickets for for the Metropolitan Cathedral gig. Uh, definitely tickets left for Wood. I think because that's quite a big hall. Uh, it's the Vitvornia Hall where. Um, Marillion usually do the the Polish weekends. Um, it's got a hotel built onto it, so that's quite convenient for staying. Uh, and a short walk from your hotel room to the show, which is good. Um, have, I, have I forgotten one? That's all of them, isn't it? And Oxford, yeah, I've just, oh, Oxford I've just, sold out. That's been sold Oxford out sold out. Oxford while, sold out. I've just been clicking through. Oxford sold out. Um but you are good for trading boundaries, I think, as it stands at the moment. Uh, and you're good for Liverpool, as far as I can tell. There's still some tickets available. It's 28 as of this minute. As of 12 minutes, 7 minutes past 12, on Tuesday the 3rd, there's 28 tickets left. So, Great. Yeah. So that's going to that's gonna go fairly quick. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Be, you know what my Christmas gigs are like, don't you? You lot out there. Um, there's a tree. You can bring a bauble and hang it on my tree. If you do, I'll give you a shot of tequila. Um, and I'll probably introduce you to the, the, the ladies and gentlemen. Um, and uh, they're, they're always a little... Well, I mean, you know, it's Christmas, isn't it? So they're a, they're a celebration. And we have now a tradition uh, in Oxford of doing a little bit of live TCD, if, if Anthony's up for it, or if he's not not around getting being sporty and getting verrucas if we can get down to Oxford. Then Should we uh, do that on the Saturday? Do the Saturday as normal. <laughs> we'll do the Saturday then. Yeah. We'll do the Saturday. We'll do we'll do it on the Saturday, but not the Friday. You can Well, you might be able to twist my arm into doing both y- yet. You I might c- might might quite enjoy spending a day in Oxford on the Saturday. You never know. We'll talk about it. Well yeah, let's work it out. Right, are we off then? Yes. I better go because I've Singing, singing tonight with an uh, tonight T O N I T E, singing tonight. Um, so I better <coughs> shut up and clear off. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. 
If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production.